How did the Rangers win the 2023 World Series? And what can the Yankees learn? That's next. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias, and with me, as always, is my producer, Steve Granato. Steve, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Stacey? What's up, everybody out there? Of course, today we're talking about the Texas Rangers, the now defending World Series champions. We wanted to talk about their strengths and weaknesses, their organizational philosophy, their breakdown of their roster, why were they successful this year? And of course, we'll come to a conclusion of where the Yankees compare and their trajectory moving forward in comparison to the Texas Rangers. Stace, let's start with uh, the breakdown of their front office and their roster strategy. I felt like, I, and like echo this sentiment with me, it felt like they really kind of turned the corner of what they were leaning into in tw- the 2021 to 22 offseason, right? The signings of Seeger and Semyon really felt like at the time felt out of nowhere. Right. But it was very clearly like, all right, these guys are our pillars of what we're going to build around. That's what it felt like at the time. I felt like now. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with that. And, um, you know, I know some people were expecting them to turn around right away and it took a little bit of time for them to, but that was definitely the first step in getting them to this point. And they, they had the long game going. They kind of like had a vision. They were like, okay, we're kind of doing this. And we're you know, getting close. Were, yeah. Like we're close. We're not quite there yet, but we're close. And uh, you know, their fans were rewarded <laughs> richly for their patience waiting to see this team finally do something. Yeah. Um, so that was like the pillars. And I've kind of talked about that. And again, we're going to relate this all back to the Yankees. Obviously the Yankees have some pillars that they are, can build around and have been trying to build around. Um <laughs> But one thing I also noticed here, obviously, as I've stated on the show multiple times, someone who follows the AL West pretty closely, uh, is allowing their their top guys to get some real major league seasoning was a definite strategy of the Texas Rangers uh, the last couple of years, right? And again, we're gonna we're gonna tie this back to the Yankees here in a second. But you look back at Adolis Garcia. In 2021, they let him play 149 games at the major league level. That's obviously when I first saw him, and I alluded to this on the show the other day, where I was like, that's when I went, "Uh uh-oh, this guy's a thing, uh, or he's about (laughs) to be, and look what happened. Uh, 156 games in 2022, ended up playing 148 this year. So, like, yes, Adolis Garcia came onto the map this year for a lot of non-Rangers fans, but the Rangers have been watching this guy at the major league level for years. You look at guys like Jonah Heim, who's obviously a big part of the club as well. 82 games in 2021, had 127 in 2022, had 131 this past year. And even to a lighter degree, Stace, you saw Josh Young play 26 games towards the tail end of 2022. Played 122 games this last year uh, up for the Rookie of the Year, of course. So there are... uh, there are ideas that they put in place in their prospects where we have seen the Yankees not necessarily take that aggressive as a, of an approach, which we have obviously belabored and have criticized that they yeah. don't do that because that means, hey, if Adolis Garcia in a rookie season and Jonah Heim in a rookie season aren't necessarily going to give you everything that you want at the major league competitive level, but in a few years, this is really going to pay off. And it clearly, clearly has. Yeah. Um 
we have talked about the Yankees not doing it and being slightly irritated with that because they had the chance to do that and didn't take advantage of it. And I feel like they really should look to what the Rangers did with their kids um, because I feel like the Yankees used to do that and something got lost along the way. And I don't know, I feel like they need to switch the philosophy back to letting some of the kids play more and see what they have and don't make it to where you play them for a few games and then just dismiss them because they're not doing that great. Like you have to give these kids a chance to play. You can't play them for 10 games and think, all right, well, he's not good enough. No, you have to let them develop and give them time to do it. Yeah. The, the clock felt different on players, player to player. And I get that. Yes. Some that you think are highlier, higher of, I understand that, but I mean, the obvious in your face is Peraza versus Volpe. Why Why didn't Peraza have more time in 2022 when it seemed like he should be up when Josh Donaldson wasn't doing much offensively, was still there uh, defensively, obviously, but not there offensively. Um, same thing goes in 2023. Yes, I know Peraza went through some injuries a little bit, missed a little bit of time, but it felt like he could have been called up earlier, give him some more major league seasoning. Um, so those things uh, definitely jump out. The other thing I noticed, Stacey, is the depth. We've talked about depth on this show a couple of times here, but they it's not just depth, period. It's depth in two different categories. I have them laid out. They have some depth on the youthful side and the younger prospects guys where they know they can dip into that well a little bit uh, throughout the regular season. And, of course, they go out and get some older guys to kind of help balance the tides a bit. They have Evan Carter, who obviously, when he's played, has been a massive addition to the lineup. Ezekiel Duran, who, of course, came from the Yankees in the Joey Gallo trade. He's been a guy that replaced Adolis Garcia in the roster, obviously. Um, the veteran guys who have Austin Hedges back there, they get at the deadline for a smaller, I think it was like an international signing, right? International pool money. They go and get Austin Hedges, a veteran guy, a guy who is touted for his defense, really smart catcher. So you have that guy on the roster. You add Max Scherzer. You obviously signed John Gray a couple of years ago. You signed Andrew Heaney in the offseason. So, look. They have deficiencies, which we're going to get into, but the strengths here are very clear uh, outside of the offense, which we're going to talk about. But getting that depth is something the Yankees were sorely lacking in 2023 that they could have used a lot of help there. Oh, yeah. We all saw that because when players started dropping like flies, the Yankees didn't have many options to replace them or good options to replace them. And uh, yeah, Texas did a really good job because Texas didn't have an easy road to get here. You know, you sign Jacob deGrom and he's gone by the end of April for the season. And you're just thinking, well, that's $185 million down the drain, or at least, you know, for this season, like they had World Series aspirations. This offseason proved it for, with the moves that they made and getting Evaldi and deGrom and sure up that um starting rotation. And then you have something like that happen and it's such a big blow to the team and the fact that they're here is a testament to the front office and the moves that they made to make sure that they continued on that path. That was a little rocky there at the end and they made it as a wild card, but they're there, they're here and they made it. So, I mean, kudos to everyone behind this. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the offense, Stacey, and that is very clearly their strongest, strongest <laughs> aspect of the team. Um, it's, it's the mentality of having power bats throughout the lineup. And again, we're going to talk about the weaknesses in regards to that as well. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but the strength side of that 
third highest OPS in baseball this year. They were tied for third most in homers. They had the third most walks, which is obviously not what you see a lot from power hitting clubs. So they were mm-hmm. still up there in walks. They very much leaned into the power stuff. They had the fourth fewest stolen bases. That also means they were caught fourth fewest as well. Um, but clearly they leaned heavy into power bats throughout the entire lineup. That was an organizational philosophy. While the Yankees still also have that side of the organizational philosophy from Dylan Lawson, uh, they didn't necessarily have the clientele to back up that philosophy. Right. Yeah. Um, it's impressive that Texas's offense did what they did because, as you said, the third most walks while being such an offensive heavy or offensive power heavy lineup, because you can have an offensive heavy club that might not be so much power and more like, you know, getting singles and maybe doubles and just driving people in. But these guys are hitting the heck out of the ball. And the fact that they're third in walks is something the Yankees we would love for the Yankees to be yeah. as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and then we kind of touched on it, Stace, about, you know, adding Hedges, adding Serzer, but we didn't obviously talk about adding Montgomery. That was massive at the trade deadline. They added really smartly um, yeah. at the deadline, knowing that there were a couple of guys out there. Uh, Scherzer obviously didn't end up panning out the way they wanted to because of the injuries, but the Montgomery edition is the reason they got to the World Series in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and part of the reason why they won it. So it's a big deal uh, to go out and get a guy like that, understanding that your team still has um, a chance and understanding that, like, hey, the numbers play in the right direction and knowing when to go for it, where the Yankees didn't know whether to or not and just not picking a lane and not sticking to your guns. They had a, a very, very different trade deadline approach. Obviously, they didn't give up a ton of things, which is nice. Uh, that you get to keep on to that part of the organization. But there was just the confusion around the trade deadline that the Rangers obviously knew what they were doing heading into uh, the later part of the season. Yeah, the Montgomery move, definitely one of the best ones of the trade deadline in all of baseball. And I remember when it first happened, people were thinking, not thinking it was bad. They were thinking, oh, this could be something like this could actually be something that really works out for both of them, both for Montgomery and the Rangers. And <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Greg Maddox figured out uh, how to elevate Jordan Montgomery from what he was already at. Uh, of course, they weren't a perfect club. We we're talking about that no. all postseason. The Rangers weren't perfect. The Diamondbacks weren't perfect. Uh, the only perfect team even saying this doesn't feel right. The Braves, but even then they had their uh, deficiencies on the starting pitching front. So not every team is perfect um, and the Rangers nonwithstanding. So we're going to talk about that in just a second when we come back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now is the perfect time to join If you're new, cuz new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 right away if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel but have been hesitant for whatever reason, this is your sign. This is the absolute best time to jump on board. The app is super easy to use, and of course, FanDuel gives you all the tools to score big, like spreads, player props, over-unders, and a ton more. This weekend, the Giants are out in Vegas. They're taking on the Raiders, while the Jets are on Monday Night Football taking on the Chargers. So now is the perfect time to get started. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
back here on Locked On Yankees. Stacey, we're talking about why the Texas Rangers won the World Series this year. We're talking about why they were so strong and why they were able to make such a deep run. But of course, they made that in spite of a few things. And one of those big, big things was the bullpen. And like I know you can attest to that. We were watching it the whole ride and we're going like, it's a miracle they keep they keep going with their bullpen deficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like in order to win a World Series, you need to have a strong bullpen. And they're blowing this out of the water because their bullpen is not strong at all. And this is where the strong offense comes in and the good starting pitching comes in. Because all those years the Yankees won, they had strong bullpens. Even in 09, they had a strong bullpen. And just to see, like even the other night when Chapman worked into trouble again, and Le- I, I feel like LeClerc's arm is going to fall off. Even yeah. in the offseason, it might fall off. Like just suddenly he might wake up and it'll happen because he was just used so much and warmed up so much in the playoffs because the bullpen is so questionable. Yeah, they were forced, right? Their hand was forced to use the hot hand. And at yeah. that time, it was guys like Josh Spores. It was LeClerc. Like even they even had to ride Chapman when he's not the hot hand. He obviously got out of a couple of jams and big spots during the World Series. But it's not like they had much other option. They got Chapman early uh, to try and help. And at that time, he was pitching incredibly for the Royals, right? So it made right. sense at the time for sure. Um, and they just kind of had to keep riding it and cross their fingers and look up and say a prayer that it was going to work out. And obviously it did work out. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, they, they were hand-strung. And that's a luxury the Yankees have, is they have that strong, centered bullpen, uh, even if they don't have a true elite number one closer those are very very in short supply um and i mentioned the starting rotation stace they obviously went out and got some help they had a lot of injuries this year um they were lacking a true number one that was supposed to be Degrom. Ivaldi was probably the closest thing they could have had to it he had his deficiencies this year as well obviously he pitched well montgomery ended up being a great addition but i found this from espn which uh was written uh, back in April. And uh, I wanted to read it because I found it very interesting. Uh, this is about the uh, new GM, Chris Young, for the Texas Rangers. He's only been there for a handful of years. Said, over the winter, Young went on a more than quarter billion dollar spending spree, bringing in DeGrom, Ivaldi, and Andrew Heaney after re-signing Martin Perez. He hired manager Bruce Bochy and summoned Mike Maddox, a pitching coach who has turned around staffs in three previous stops. Then he asked an old teammate to serve as special instructor during spring training. So the idea is here to try and immediately fix the problem. While not all of these things worked out, obviously, Ivaldi ended up hitting. But I think what you can kind of learn from this is something the Yankees did not do heading into 2023. And it's throwing a dart and seeing what lands. The Yankees Mm. threw one dart and it didn't land. So... What else went on in this article, which I found really interesting, is the Rangers' mentality was that they need to have seven to ten major league or major league ready starters. The Yankees did not have that. They just did not. Right now, as it stands with free agency opening and factoring in Domingo Herman, they only have five. So clearly, mm-hmm. as we've talked about in the past days, they can definitely go out and get at least one arm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The seven to 10 number is really interesting. And it almost makes me wonder about all those trades the Yankees made in 2022, that if they weren't made, 
how much that would have changed in 2023 with the number of major league or major league ready pitchers that they could have had. Yeah. Because they or traded, even what, more three? trade pieces, right? Right. Could go out and get Montgomery back type of thing. Like you can make those moves. Could have maybe had a reunion with Chapman. I know maybe not right territory, but I'm just saying like there are other moves right. that would have allowed you to do. I get at the time, 2022, you needed to go out and get some help. I get that. Uh, it's just in hindsight that makes it a lot, lot tougher to look at. Um, yeah. And then the last major deficiency, we we brought it up as a, a positive, Stace, but the streakiness of the offense for the Rangers was something that they really, really had to overcome, and that is something that the Yankees also have. So trying to overcome that issue is easier said than done because baseball is hard, <laughs> hitting is very hard, but finding guys to kind of fill your lineup where you're not so dependent on all these guys hitting at one time, both literally and figuratively, but having more of a stable base throughout your lineup uh, with that depth, that's what ultimately breeds a championship caliber club. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like there were a lot of teams out there um, who had strong offenses that were extremely streaky this season. Um, but that's all, also a testament to how good the pitching has become in MLB. It's just so hard now. Um some of these guys seem to be coming out of nowhere and you see teams that you don't expect to get no hit, no hit. You see teams who were just, um, you know, getting shut out a lot that you don't expect to see getting shut out. Um, we talked about the Padres the other day and it's the same thing with them with that offense that they had, you saw them get shut down a lot too. And it's, it's interesting how, you know, the third best offense in baseball in Texas could get shut down as much as they did during the season because some guys just were having issues. Yeah, like completely disappearing in the lineup. I mean, we saw it with Marcus Simeon throughout the whole playoffs. He finally got going toward the end there, but he was missing in action like the whole time. Yeah, and that happens. And look, it's going to happen to your big players, as you know. But what do we just talk about? Having that depth, who's going to pick that guy up? When Rizzo right. went down, luckily LeMahieu later in the year was able to pick it back up, right? Yeah. But at the beginning part of the year, you're you're a revolving door at first base with Jake Bowers and DJ LeMahieu. And look, I like both those guys, but at the same time, it wasn't the foundation that you wanted to set at first base. You, you just couldn't replace Rizzo. You just couldn't. And Rizzo couldn't even replace Rizzo for a time either. So it was uh, when, when you have those guys go down, you need to have the depth to fill it, which we mentioned. the rangers had at least a good standing in that regard did they have the best depth in the in the bigs probably not but they had enough and again it's better to have at least just enough as opposed to having almost none Nothing, almost none. right <laughs> yeah yeah so it's a really it's it's a look and we're, we're saying all this stuff this isn't easy it's never easy to win the world series it's no. never easy to get to the playoffs there are so many factors these are just some of the ones that stick out to us but uh, it should not be glossed over that this is an extremely difficult thing. And I understand that Yankees fans have higher expectations, but in the landscape of how the playoffs are now structured, it makes it so much harder. Who had the Braves out when they were out, right? Right. Makes no sense. Who had the D-backs beating the Phillies? No idea. Who had the Rays getting swept in the wild card? None of this <laughs> makes any sense, right? right? You're just trying to get your team, your staff, and your front office to all coincide to make sure you're in the best place possible to have the best odds to actually win a World Series. When we come back, our final thoughts on this, and of course, 
Are there any similarities? Are there differences? And what can the Yankees do better? That's next. Back here on Locked On Yankees, Stacy, some final thoughts here on this and the Texas Rangers 2023 World Series run. Uh, and we wanted to kind of compare these teams a little bit deeper now. Uh, and, you know, we've given you everything that we know about the team and the way they've been structured, but we wanted to break it into the Yankees side of things. Stacy, what are the, some of the similarities? Let's start on the positive end. What similarities do you see between the Rangers and the Yankees? Uh, the top end of their pitching staff and the power hitters in their offense are similar. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like they're, and we've talked about the offensive strategy laid out by Dylan Lawson, the hard hitting pull heavy elevated exit velo and elevated, uh, launch angle rather, um, that is something that the Yankees preach. Again, the difference there is, has been success success right. in preaching that uh the yankees have not had that um what what what's some differences that you see uh well on the offensive side um you know i feel like the yankees kind of sit back and wait for the six run home run and <laughs> they're not taking as many walks as they should where it looked like texas did because they were third um which again, like I said earlier, that's impressive. I didn't even know that about them. Like I knew the offense was good, but I didn't know about the walking part of it. And, you know, I know that when Sean Casey came over, he was trying to uh, make the Yankees walk more. And I think some of the guys, it went up a little bit, but I feel like the Yankees need to make their offense a little more well-rounded and not be so dependent on just the power hitting. And that's kind of where, uh, Texas also ran into issues, but they were able to overcome that where the Yankees were not. So um, I think that's one of the big areas where the Yankees need to improve. Like they just need to make their offense a little more well-rounded instead of being so dependent on one thing. Yeah. Cause when we're talking differences between them and the Rangers, that's not uh bad differences. There are good right. differences. Like they, while they want to rely on the home run, they don't as much. And yes, we know the offense was, was very down, but other differences, of course, the bullpen, like that is such a massive, massive help. You oh, don't, because yeah. when you look at the Rangers and what the Rangers did, the reason they won the world series was because their hitting was so good. They overcame their other deficiencies mm -hmm. where the Yankees didn't have that good of hitting to overcome some of their back end of the rotation deficiencies. Right. Cause we know the front end Cole did everything he had to do. Right. But Cole only goes every five days. Right. Um, so having that issue um, and the difference there being obviously the the Rangers didn't have Cole and then everybody else. They right. Just kind of had everybody else, but enough to sustain them to where their offense when they're on did enough. Plenty. They're putting up 10 runs a game. Right. That's a big difference. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think. You know, we haven't really gotten into this too much. I kind of briefly mentioned it. The Yankees clearly stole more, which I think is a good thing. I think mm -hmm. uh, stealing a little bit more. You don't have to be the most aggressive team in the league if you don't have the guys to do it. But they had some guys to do it. Obviously, Anthony Volpe can steal a base. We know Aaron Judge can also steal bases. There are guys on this team. And I think the Yankees can find a way to, to steal at a, a more consistent rate like that. 
Um, yeah. Speaking of consistency, just getting consistency, period, uh, <laughs> has been an issue, obviously, uh, at least consistently good. Um, and, you know, just having that uh, starter heavy mentality, going out and getting another big name, uh, going out and getting a hard thrower, going out and getting guys that are just going to blow people away. Um, yeah. that have proven health and that kind of thing. Like those are hard things to come by, but if the Yankees can add one of those and fill out the rest, um, and then you can start, you know, easing in your Will Warrens and your Clayton beaters and those guys, your Drew Thorpes, that makes a massive difference. Like you're not relying on Johnny Brito. Now you're not relying on Randy Vasquez. They are pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. They're not the whole picture. That was right. the issue is the Rangers were able to overcome that because of their depth. Well, the Yankees just couldn't. They just had nothing else. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. Although I think it's interesting. Um, I feel like a lot of the Yankees issues were also, um, you know, they had issues where they weren't hitting enough to help some of the starters out. I mean, Cole could have had more than 20 wins in 2023 if his offense was a little better. And if the Yankees go out and get another top end starter, it might actually help out the offense. If they're not having such a great day that they have sure. another pitcher that can hold down the opposite, the opposition's offense and in that way can help out as well. Because woof, there were some days where I felt so bad for Garrett Cole because he was pitching his butt off and, you know, holding teams to one or two runs and still losing because his offense wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Yeah, I think it comes boils down to something I said earlier, Stace, is putting your team in the best position possible to be successful. You know, there are going to be those days where Garrett Cole goes out and throws a gem and your offense didn't do anything. But you need to limit those days. Those yes. that can't be the norm. That's <laughs> right. It the had become the became, norm. <laughs> yes. It's not the outlier anymore. That's the norm. So finding a way to get your offense more consistent, putting up a few more runs. So when Garrett Cole pitches and when Rodone bounces back, when yes. Nestor becomes at least league average, when Michael King can take off, if they get a Yamamoto, if they get a Snell, those types of things, you're putting your team in the best position possible to win. Yep. That was something that they set them up for failure in the off season. So by the time they got to the regular season, when everything inevitably happened, they just couldn't overcome it. And that's what happened. Yep. Yep. Cause when we were putting the Cole episode together, I was looking at his baseball reference page and I saw how many outings he basically got screwed by his offense. And I thought to myself, wow, I didn't realize it was that many. <laughs> like uh, I knew there was a number of them, but there were a lot. Yeah. Let us know how you're feeling about all this stuff that we talked about here today. Your thoughts on the Texas Rangers. Of course, want to hear what you're thinking about Jordan Montgomery, who's now going to be rocking a World Series ring. All that stuff. Let us know in the comment section. Of course, while you're down there, you also can respond to that pinned comment. It's your last chance for Fan Mail Friday. That's tomorrow on tomorrow's show. So make sure to do that in the comment section. And you can always join the Luck Doc Yankees Insiders Club for more perks as well. And that's going to do it for today's Locked On Yankees. I'm Steve Granato. And I'm Stacey Gotsoulias. We'll see you tomorrow.